Hey guys, welcome to another episode of True Crimes and Weird Times. I'm Kim. I'm Nasally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ashley. <laughs> Ashley's back after a brief stint in a quarantine. Quarantine? I don't know. It's not quarantine. It's not COVID, but She's don't get too better. close to the speakers. You might get sick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we're going to be doing a special collaborative episode, Woo-hoo. and I will be telling you the true story of Madame Marie Delphine Lalaurie. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and I'm going to be telling you the hauntings of the Lalaurie Mansion. Delphine Lalaurie was a slave owner in the 1800s who tortured and murdered her slaves. It was only discovered when a house fire breaks out and police storm in and find just unimaginable things in the slave quarters. Marie Delphine McCarty was born March 19th, 1787 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Both of Delphine's parents were really prominent in the Creole community, so she grew up very privileged and like got whatever she wanted and very high society. And then in 1800, she married her first husband, Don Ramon de Lopez y Angula. What? Angulo? Angulo. 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 What a mouthful. Yeah, Don Ramon. (laughs) He was a highly ranked officer in the Spanish army, and... He actually was called back to Spain to go to court for a promotion in 1804 and died in Havana on his way back to Spain. I couldn't actually find what killed him. I think he got sick. Well, as you do. Yeah, in the the 1800s. 1800s. (laughs) But Delphine was actually pregnant with his baby when he died. And she gave birth while he was on this trip. So she was widowed with a newborn. Oh, no. Yeah. But... Four years later, she remarried. She married a guy named Jean Blanc, who was a a banker, a merchant, a lawyer. He was like high society, rich guy. Okay. And they had four children together, Mm -hmm. but he also died eight years after they got married. Mysteriously? I'm not sure either. Everything just said suddenly died. Huh. Maybe mysteriously? Or maybe he also got sick. As you do in the 1800s. Right, yeah. Okay. He could have got a paper cut and it got him. <laughs> yeah. In 1825, which is quite a long time after her husband yeah. dies, Delphine gave birth to a son. Hmm. And then she marries oh. <laughs> her much younger baby daddy. Uh, okay. Because at this point, she is 38 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, I couldn't find an exact age for her new husband, whose name was Leonard Louis Nicholas Lollery. Oh, another mouthful. Right. And he was a doctor. It just, mm-hmm. everything says he was very young. Okay. Which, at 38, I guess anything below 30, they could call very young. Yeah. Not really sure. You don't live very long. Yeah. And they had <laughs> they had a pretty unhappy marriage, from what I can tell. She actually filed for separation not too long well, after they were married. Wasn't it? Didn't he marry her because she had his kid? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She had the baby before they got married. Okay. So he was forced into the mar- marriage. I think so, yeah. Okay. So they get married in 1825. And then in 1832, she decides to build herself a mansion. 
And she does this completely on her own. She keeps everything in her name. She runs the house. She just like leaves her husband out of it. Okay. And she builds this mansion at 1140 Royal Street in Louisiana, New Orleans. <laughs> and this mansion was amazing. I mean, it was three stories. It had a built-in slave quarters, which was apparently a big deal at the time. Okay, yeah. And it was just like top of the line. And it wasn't too long after this that rumors started circulating about Delphine mistreating her slaves. Now, obviously, slaves were physically punished at this point. But they did have some laws about how mean you could be to them, how cruel you could be. How nice. I know, right? (laughs) Good thing we have rules. So there were rumors that she was chaining her cook to the stove that her slaves looked malnourished when people came to visit her they would comment on how they looked despondent and they seemed just afraid of everything and they just looked awful so court representatives are sent out twice to check on her and make sure she wasn't mistreating her slaves twice they say oh yeah it's fine we didn't find anything well that's easy to say when when slaves didn't really have much of a voice And two, you're made of money. Right, yeah. You can do what you want, basically. However, the following year, a neighbor comes forward with a story that gets everyone's attention. Basically, this neighbor claims that she saw Delphine chasing a 12-year-old girl across her yard, a slave girl. Mm -hmm. The girl runs in the house and up all three stories of the house to the roof. Now, this is a flat roof. She can walk up Mm -hmm. there. It's not like she's climbed out onto this sloping craziness. So this girl has ran up on the roof trying to escape Delphine, who is chasing her with a whip. When Delphine makes it to the roof as well, the girl keeps running to try and get away from her and actually falls off the roof and dies. Oh, no. The neighbor then sees Delphine and some of the men of the house come and collect the body And take Mm. it out somewhere on the grounds and bury her. Okay. It later came out that the reason Delphine was chasing this girl to punish her was because she had been brushing Delphine's hair, hit a tangle, and it pulled her hair. And Delphine became so enraged that she was going to viciously whip this 12-year-old girl for brushing her hair. So a 12-year-old girl died because of a tangle. Which is insane. But this does get investigators' attention. And they come and check up again on Delphine. And this time she is charged with unusual cruelty. Mm. She's fined $300. And nine enslaved people are removed from her home. Oh, okay. So I'm not used to hearing that. Right. So they actually took her slaves away from her because she was being so cruel to them. However. (sighs) Of course. She's rich. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of family. Yep. And what she does is she sends her family members to buy back all of her slaves and transfer ownership back to her. And it was pretty widely known. Like, everyone knew that she had done this. Yeah, she wasn't hiding it. Yeah, and no one did anything about it. They're just like, oh, she got her slaves back. Whatever. We did our part. In 1834, a fire breaks out at the Lothery Mansion. When neighbors come and try and help with the house fire, they find Delphine trying to gather up all of her items, all her valuables. She's trying to move furniture outside. She's trying to grab her furs and her jewelry. And she's trying to do all of this by herself with her husband. So immediately neighbors are like, 
why aren't your slaves helping you with this? Why aren't they moving stuff out? Where are they? And she keeps telling them, you know, just help me with this. Don't worry about them. Just help me with this. Yeah, of course. Don't worry about the slaves. Don't worry about the other people. I need to get my valuables out. Don't (laughs) worry about the human beings. Well, people actually were worried about the human beings. And they're like, look, your slaves could be trapped. They could die in this fire. You need to let us go find them. Mm -hmm. She refuses to give them the keys to her slave quarters. Huh. And just keeps telling them, just help me with this stuff. Just help me. Well, fire marshals arrive, and they run into the kitchen, which is where the fire started. And they find a 70-year-old enslaved woman chained to the stove by her ankle. Oh, my God. She was malnourished. She was in really bad shape. And she tells the fire marshals that she set the fire intentionally as a suicide attempt. She felt like her days were numbered because she was getting older. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going to be useful anymore soon. And she was afraid that she was going to be taken to the uppermost room soon. And she says that anybody who goes up there never comes back. Now the slave told the fire marshals this. Yes. Okay. So for this woman to be so afraid of going to this room that she would rather try and commit suicide by fire. It's got to be pretty bad up there. Yeah. (laughs) So the rest of the people then decide, look, we're just going to go find the rest of the slaves ourselves. Mm -hmm. Since... She's obviously not going to. Right. She's not going to give them the keys. The husband's not giving them the keys. They're like, we're just going to go find them then. So they go up to the slave quarters and they break down the door. I'm going to read a direct quote from the story in the New Orleans Bee from the following day. Upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Oh, no. These slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus providentially been rescued and had been merely kept in existence to prolong their suffering and to make them taste all that the most refined cruelty could inflict. Now, that's an article from 1834. Right. That's about as graphic as they'll get, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So for them to say horribly mutilated, and that's going to be, you know, the tame version, I can only imagine what these poor people had been through. I found several reports and rumors with just crazy stories about people with their limbs cut off and like their skin flayed back Mm. and lots of really horrifying details. But most of those were rumors that popped up after the fact. Right. In reality, the reports that I could find that were verified said that these people had been flayed. They had been forced to wear collars with inward-facing spikes so that they couldn't lay down. They couldn't go to sleep. And sleep deprivation is an awful torture technique Mm -hmm. anyway. There were men in cages. There were women with injuries so severe they couldn't move. A police officer reports that one woman had a head injury so deep that he didn't know how she was alive. Oh, my God. While everyone is upstairs rescuing these slaves, Delphine escapes the house. When her husband is asked about the slaves, they come back down. Delphine's gone. Her husband's still there. They say, you know, what the heck, man? Yeah. What's going on up here? Why are you doing this? He basically says, why don't you guys mind your own business? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, thanks. 
We just found your torture chamber. Yeah, well, you should mind your own business, buddy. <laughs> now, news of what's happening spreads like wildfire. Of course. Within an hour or two, there is a mob at the mansion. And they can't find Delphine. The husband has already gone to. So instead, they take it out on the house. And they just ransack it. They burn it. The sheriff tries to stop it, but there's basically nothing he can do to contain this mob. And he says that all that's left when they're done is just the walls barely standing. Later, they did dig around the property, and there were several reports that they found multiple bodies buried on the site, including one of a 12-year-old child. Oh, so girl from earlier? Yeah, it looks like that story was most likely true. Yeah. This part just makes me boil. After their rescue, and I say that in quotes, the slaves are taken to the local jail and put on display for public viewing. What? In a matter of just two or three days, over 4,000 people had come out to view them to, quote, convince themselves of their suffering. Like they're just sideshows. Right. Perfect. Two of the slaves actually died shortly after the rescue from their injuries. I'm not surprised. You know. It's awful. Instead of putting them all in a hospital, they put right. them in jail for people to come and gawk at. Yeah. Now, Delphine actually makes it to the waterfront, and she escapes to Paris. I read several different reports on who she was with, if anyone. Some say that she left with her husband. Some say she left with her slave driver. Some say that she had three of her children with her. Um, A couple of them said she was alone. I don't really know which one. I would venture to guess she at least had her youngest children. The other ones were grown. Mm, Because I did find one report that she was... Sending letters to her children that were still in New Orleans from oh, Paris. Okay. And she was basically saying, I want to come back to New Orleans. I don't understand why I can't come back. Like she uh. she didn't <laughs> grasp why she had to leave. She didn't grasp how wrong what she had done was. Huh. We do know that she died in Paris. Although we don't really know how she died. And we aren't really sure about the when. See, there's a plate at the St. Louis Cemetery that says Madame LaLaurie, born Marie Delphine McCarty, died in Paris, December 7th, 1842. Mm. However, the French archives of Paris say that she died November 7th, 1849. So that's a seven-year discrepancy. Yeah. Now, this discrepancy led to a lot of theories that she faked her own death and that she returned to New Orleans and lived Mm. under a new name. But personally, I mean, they got the same day on both of them, December 7th. So I really think it was probably just a typo. Probably. Either the plaque was printed up wrong or somebody wrote the wrong number in the archives. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a conspiracy. But the bottom line is this woman was just absolutely evil. No doubt. Which is why she was actually featured on American Horror Story, mm-hmm. played by Kathy Bates, who I love. <laughs> yes. And since, like I said, this is a collaborative episode, Ashley is now going to take the reins and tell you about what's been going on in that mansion. All the spooky stuff. After the fire, the mansion actually stood abandoned. I guess just the wall standing for years, which of course only helped it to evolve 
into being a true haunted house, in quotes. Right. Things that are in ruin are pretty creepy. Right. Along with the stories of what happened. Yeah. Because of that, of course, neighbors are claiming to hear cries, screams, chains, uh, you know, just ghosts in and around the home, which I say in very loosely, since it's just walls. <laughs> right. Someone's playing a creepy Halloween soundtrack over there. And of course, the superstitious were crossing the street to avoid it. I'm assuming kids run from it or daring their friends to go in. You know, that's what I, mean. what I would picture. Yeah, like, that's what I picture. You go in, go touch the wall. Four years later, the mansion ended up being rebuilt. More strange sounds. People were seeing things inside and an invisible chain being dragged down the staircase. Cries of a slave girl near a fountain in the courtyard. Possibly the young girl. And then, of course, the tortured screams from the attic. Where right, yeah. Stories started circulating about seeing a ghost of a young girl who was jumping to her death from the top of the house, much like the story you mentioned of the ghost earlier, or the slave girl earlier. Right. So either they had heard the stories and kind right. of elaborated on it, or or they saw a ghost. Hmm. Throughout the years, the Lollery Mansion had become a ton of different things. Uh, apartment complexes on more than one occasion, a furniture store, a girls' preparatory school a music conservatory, homeless shelters. Just a bunch of different just things. Just a bunch of different things. And of course, a lot of them had their own stories. Owners and businesses wouldn't keep the mansion for very long, though. So it went through so, a lot of owners. It went through a lot of owners. Some said because of ghostly things happening. Some just ran on bad luck. But they mentioned the mansion as being cursed and haunted. I mean, yeah, it's a murder house. Yeah. A torture murder house. Now, I didn't get the actual timeline of what it was throughout the years. I guess I could have looked more into the building history, but... That's boring. No one wants to hear that. That's boring. No one wants to hear that. (laughs) So I'm just going to go through some of the things that was and what happened. So in 1894, a man living in the building when it was converted as apartments uh, was actually brutally murdered. Par for the course. Yeah. Kim, why didn't you mention this one? Didn't know about it. (laughs) When investigators came to... Uh, investigate (laughs) what they do Uh, they found his belongings ransacked but nothing was missing nothing of value was missing so this guy was just murdered but they didn't take anything but they didn't take anything so it already looks strange but it still could have just been a serial killer or a murderer normal things normal things (laughs) bad place bad time however when the neighbors were questioned they actually mentioned that this guy living there claimed to have a demon within his room that wished him dead. Okay, maybe not something like that. <laughs> That's still pretty normal. Yeah. I, I talk to my demons every day. <laughs> In the mid to late 19th century, the mansion actually served as an all-girls preparatory school. It wasn't soon after that the accounts of bizarre and random physical assaults came to light. The girls would come up to teachers with bruises and scratches on their forearms of course, they mentioned that it looks like whip marks, but that could be an over-exaggeration to tell the story. I guess welts all kind of look similar. Yeah, I could see that. No, well, I'll get to that in a second. Hang on. <laughs> when the teachers actually questioned them about what happened, they would all just say, the woman did it. That woman. Just now, that woman. Just that woman. No one ever mentioned who she was, I guess. Okay. Or pointed her out or said, hey, huh, 
who's the new teacher hitting us? Right. You know what I mean? Seems like if it was someone they could accuse to get rid of so they would stop hurting them. Yeah, they would do it. Yeah. Now, it's been mentioned that it could have possibly just been pranks. They knew about the history of the house or the building. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past kids to come up with this elaborate prank story. Now, during its short stint as a furniture store, the furniture inside the building would be completely vandalized on numerous occasions. This, of course, is making the owner very angry, as it would. Right. (laughs) When not to catch these vandals in the act. Now, it doesn't say if he fell asleep or if it was just by daytime, by morning. But by the morning, he noticed that the furniture had actually been vandalized again. And it was covered in like this strange black slum that no one could explain. Like ectoplasm? Like ectoplasm, maybe? (laughs) Of course, the owner then closed his business after realizing nothing human could be involved. (laughs) That's a fun one to put on your mortgage company. Yeah. My lenders. Slum. (laughs) Sorry, I need to close my business. It's haunted. (laughs) Try claiming insurance on that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to your stuff? I don't know. Ghost, probably. (laughs) In the 70s, the building had been converted into an apartment complex again. And a tenant claimed to be, quote, awakened from a deep sleep to be confronted by a man who stood above him looking down, which is creepy enough as it is. Yeah, I definitely don't want to wake up to someone standing over me. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he was still in a half sleep, so he assumed it was just a dream. Yeah. Sleep paralysis, maybe. Right. That's a thing. But when he awoke the next morning, he had noticed that a table had been moved. Again... That's not definitive proof, but I'm assuming if you wake up and you know where your furniture is and it's not there anymore. Yeah, like I can definitely tell when my furniture's not where I left it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he woke up and accidentally bumped into it and he's like, oh, that wasn't here before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Other claims in this apartment complex were people being attacked by a naked man bound in chains. It's the 70s. I don't know. Maybe some weird stuff was happening. I mean... <laughs> Uh, They encountered a spirit wrapped in heavy layers of cloth. I don't know. Again, the 70s. I don't know. And also waking to find a dark figure of a woman standing over a baby's crib. That one I can't explain away. That's super creepy. So, like, the crib was real. There was really a baby. Yeah, there was really a baby, but there was a dark figure standing over it. Okay, that is creepy. Yeah. As I mentioned, it it went through a lot of hands. A lot of people claiming ghosts. Weird things happening people having bad luck so it's exchanged hands a lot between then and now and in fact shortly after hurricane katrina nicholas cage the man who stole the declaration of independence that guy that guy (laughs) uh, actually bought the home he was going to use it as a place to write his own horror novel which sounds perfectly fine to me that's a that's a place you would write a novel i mean if i were going to write a (laughs) horror movie or a novel That would be the place. Yeah, I'd do it in a creepy place. (laughs) But according to rumors, he only stayed one night in the mansion. Apparently a lot of weird stuff happened. He didn't want to come back for a second night. If you're already writing about creepy stuff and you're in a creepy place. That sounds like a lot of reference material for me. (laughs) You're going to hear every little like pop and creak (laughs) in the house and be like, oh my God, what was that? It's already a creepy house. You're expecting weird things anyway. Yeah. And then you're in that mindset. Yeah. It sounds a lot like you're you're waiting for it. But I mean, if you're brave enough to steal the Declaration of Independence, like 
Yeah. You got to be pretty brave, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, I think we probably all heard, I mean, not long after that, he got into a lot of financial trouble, uh, bankruptcy, so on. Some people kind of blame the mansion for that. The bad, the bad luck, luck. Yeah. In 2013, the property was actually bought by an oil tycoon. That seems very like an old school Monopoly. name for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> and and t- there were, they weren't allowing tours or people to come through. So there's not a lot of other stories that are true. There's a lot of, I found a lot of ghost tour places saying that you could tour it, but not, not during that time. So. What did he do with it? Did he live there? He actually used it as a weekend home. Uh, he would throw some parties for friends. It was just like an extra house. Oh. But it but it wasn't a property he was willing to let people come through. Which I, mean, I can see. Yeah, I yeah. understand. I don't want people touring my house right. at any given moment. Well, so. I don't think anybody was murdered in your... Well, I don't know. Were they? I mean, not to my knowledge. Okay. <laughs> if they did, it'd be a cool episode. Oh my gosh, it would. <laughs> However, currently... Like, the latest article we could find was last year? October 2019. Okay, so a year ago. Okay, yeah. cool. The current owner, who is Michael Whalen, is in talks with the Hayes Brothers, who created the Conjuring franchise. And they are wanting to create a film with a new horror movie starring our very own... Madame Marie Delphine Allery. So that, definitely keep your eyes out for that film. I would love to see that. I think it's going to be a good one. I hope they can do it. But that is the story of one of the most brutal killers in New Orleans yeah. history. I would. I could place bets on that. Yeah. I don't know. What about all oh, the axe murder? There is the axe murder. We could revisit that for a future episode. I don't know. We'll compare the two one day. Yeah, we can do it. We, <laughs> we can see who was worse. Thanks for listening. Like us on Facebook at True Crimes and Weird Times Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at True Crimes Weird Times. Email us your stories at truecrimesweirdtimes at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Bye.